being territory that has been claimed by God. Lord, we thank you that uh, this heart within us, this soul within us, Lord, is yours, that has been won back through Jesus Christ, that we have, we have looked to you, and Lord, we've placed our trust in you. And we thank you, Lord, that our future is secure, that our hope is in the present, and is also for the future. And that no eye has seen or ear has heard or no human brain has imagined the good things that you have in store for us. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. There were uh, a couple who in the 1920s were missionaries, Christian missionaries in Ecuador called uh, Raymond and Edith Edmund. They married in 1924, and within a year, their baby son Charles was born. Everything was going really well. God was blessing the work. Uh, the present and the future looked bright. And then all of a sudden, Raymond fell extremely ill. His doctor, who was a specialist in tropical diseases, said that Raymond had contracted typhus fever and that he would die in a very short space of time. Due to the hot climate, the funeral service was planned for that same day at three o'clock in the afternoon. Edith began dyeing her wedding dress black in preparation for her young husband's funeral. Three and a half thousand miles away, north of Ecuador in Massachusetts, Raymond's uncle Joe became deeply troubled. He knew nothing of his nephew's predicament, but he couldn't shake off the sense that he was in some type of grave danger. Joe was attending a Bible conference, and he was so stirred up, so troubled by this unforeseen sense of danger for his nephew that he persuaded the 200 delegates at the conference to forego the agenda of the day and instead to engage in urgent intercession for Raymond to be delivered from evil. They prayed intensely for hours. They fasted from lunch. They continued until the middle of the afternoon when they sensed their prayers for the desperate need unknown to them 3,500 miles away had been answered, and a deep sense of peace came across the 200 people gathered. Raymond himself sensed that he was dying, although he was unaware that people were busy preparing for his funeral. He became aware of what he described as a presence that slowly entered the room, rising from the ground up to the level of his bed, soon it completely filled the room. At first, Raymond wondered what this influence or presence might be. He later wrote, then I knew what it was, for in those moments I experienced a sweet sense of the love of God in Christ, such as I have never known before in all the years of my life. It is sufficient to say that I have no fear of dying, Heaven is home to the believer, to the one who has become a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Raymond was not buried that day. 
He wasn't buried in the days or weeks ahead of that either. Edith never wore the wedding dress that she had dyed black. Raymond regained consciousness and was completely healed. The remainder of his life and fruitful life were characterized by a sense of God's presence and a never-failing good cheer. He became the president of Wheaton Theological College and a mentor to Billy Graham, who said of him, we will never know the full evaluation of his life and ministry until we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But I still have to say that he was the most unforgettable Christian I ever met. The Bible is clear. We are at war. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. The Bible is crystal clear. Jesus is crystal clear about the reality in which we live. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. When a 25-year-old missionary in Ecuador is about to die of a severe tropical disease, and his uncle, three and a half thousand miles away, has to be supernaturally alerted to the problem and gather people around him to pray, then we can be sure that there is a supernatural battle waging in this world. Jesus said, I have come that you and I may have life and have it to the full. And so through the earnest prayers of those in that conference in Massachusetts, Satan's plan to cut short a life full of potential and potential fruitfulness was not only thwarted, but was also overturned. His plan rebounded on him because not only was Raymond Edmund healed that day, his life was profoundly touched by the love of God. The rest of his life was changed by that day in that bed in Ecuador. The rest of his life he lived with no fear of death. He lived in a constant state of joyfulness. He was a massive influence on Billy Graham. C.S. Lewis contended, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed and counterclaimed by Satan. Martin Luther observed, we must all practice violence and remember that in spiritual warfare, he who prays is fighting against the devil and the flesh. Satan is opposed to the church. The best, we th best thing we can therefore do is to put our fists together and pray. The fight that we engage with is not like the fighting that happens among human beings. The fight that we are engaged with is one of prayer and love and faith and peace and joy and generosity and good works. And so as we engage in this warfare, because we must engage in it, there is no neutral ground. There are no conscientious objectors. All of us must nail our colors to the mast. All of us must choose a side. Jesus was crystal clear. You're either someone 
whose father is God or someone whose father is Satan. It's not me who's saying that. It was Jesus who said that. Who is your father, God or Satan? Who is the father of our brothers and sisters, our mothers, our fathers, our children, our nieces, our nephews? There is no neutral ground. There are no people in the middle. There is no fence to sit on. Jesus made it clear. We are either children of the light or we are children of darkness. And so, we must know our enemy, we must know our authority, and we must know how to fight. In terms of knowing our enemy, Paul said in 1 Peter said in 1 Peter 5, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Secularism would have us believe there is no right and wrong, there is no light and darkness, there is no good or evil. But you and I know differently. We know from reading the pages of the Bible, we know from the teaching of Jesus. Jesus, in entering into the public ministry that he exercised, didn't go on a spa break for 40 days to rest, hoping that somehow he would be in a better physical condition for whenever the really tough times came. Instead, he fasted and prayed for 40 days. He went into hand-to-hand combat with Satan. He wielded the Word of God with every temptation that came his way to short-circuit his purpose for good, his call for the ultimate redemption of human beings. There is a war on, and there is a way for us to fight. In his ministry, Jesus addressed demons and cast them out to set people free because he came to set the captives free and to heal those who were under the control of Satan. We know that we engage an enemy which, in which there is the sin, sin, the world, and the devil. We know that as we engage this enemy, it is pervasive and it is subtle. It is powerful. We know that there is sin to overcome, but the evil just isn't out there. The evil encroaches in here. And so the place where we start fighting is here in our own human heart, in our own thinking, in our own behavior. And then there's the world the structures of evil that persist, the cultures that are there. And we know this when we come up not against a situation where we feel that ourselves or, or one person is opposing us, but there's an entire culture, there's an entire organization, there's an entire thinking process that we know has evil at its root. And so Paul said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Theologian Stanley Hauerwas says, evil is large, it's cosmic, it's organized, it's subtle, it's pervasive, and it's real. The powers never appear as evil. They never appear as coercive. 
The powers always masquerade as freedoms that we have been graciously given or as necessities that we cannot live without. So we must know our enemy, and we must also know our authority, because Christ lives within us. We have invited Him to become the Lord of our lives, to be seated in authority in our lives. And so as children of light, we emit light as those who have received the living stream of God's Holy Spirit, streams of living water are flowing from us. On the 23rd of June, 2018, 12 members of a junior football team with their 25-year-old coach went to explore some underground caves in northern Thailand. They were deep underground when a monsoon hit the cave. They were flooded in three miles from the mouth of the cave. They wondered if they would ever feel the warmth of sunlight on their skin again. Soon outside, the world's media gathered together with 2,000 soldiers, 100 divers, and nine police. All of us watched as for nine days, no one could find the boys. On the 2nd of July, a diving team managed to get deep into the cave's network of tunnels, crawling, climbing, swimming in the darkness against the current. After more than six hours on that day, they discovered the boys alive, cold, scared, starving, and huddled together. They were saved. They had no idea how long they'd been there. They had no idea how many people were praying for them, no any how many people were looking for them. But it soon became clear their ordeal was not over. Getting the boys out was going to be arduous and dangerous, and then tragedy struck. Five days after the boys were found, a former Thai Navy SEAL named Simon Kunan drowned while delivering oxygen tanks to the boys. Those boys in that period of eight days must have had such a mix of emotions. They must have rejoiced to see the light of the divers appear in the cave in which they were in. They must have started to dream about seeing the sunlight. They must have dreamed about having food to eat, of being hugged by their parents, of hopefully eventually getting to sleep in their own bed but they must also have been deeply frustrated by the days they still had to wait to get out into freedom. They must have felt heartbroken by the death of someone who came to save them. And they must have also been very terrified by the knowledge it was going to be a tough ordeal to get out of this cave. The day after Simon Kunan drowned, the first of the boys was sedated, given oxygen, and slowly brought out of the cave. Each boy, it took five hours to get them out, much of them underwater. On the 10th of July, two and a half weeks after entering the cave, the first boys were finally rescued. The Bible teaches us that, in effect, we are like those boys in the cave between the 2nd of July 
and the 10th of July. Light has broken into the darkness. Salvation has arrived. Hope has filled our lives because Jesus Christ has come into the darkness. Like that Navy SEAL, he has laid down his life to bring us the oxygen of life. And yet we know that although salvation is secure, we know that we will step into the darkness, into the light. We know there is still an ordeal that we have to travel through. We know there is still darkness around us. All of us know that we, unless Christ returns in the near future, are going to have to travel through the dark waters of death before we emerge on the other side. But our hope is secure. When Jesus Christ proclaimed on the cross, it is finished, he was declaring the death of death. He was declaring the cure for suffering and sickness. And he was also declaring the forgiveness of all sin. And by his resurrection, we are assured that all those who are in Christ will step out into the light. All of us will feel the light of the presence of the fullness of Jesus Christ on our skin. When we stand in a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be no more sickness and no more suffering and no more mourning and no more death because all of that will have gone. You and I are people of the light who are in the midst of the darkness. So we need to know the authority we have in the midst of a dark world in the midst of people who are fearful and lost and where there's sickness and there's death and there's isolation and there's loneliness, that you and I are lights in the darkness. And we can only do this in the strength of Jesus Christ. So how do we fight? Christian author John Piper says, until we know that life is war, we cannot know what prayer is for. Are you at war or are you asleep on the sidelines of life? The temptation for all of us is to draw up the drawbridge and just hope we stay alive. Yes, we're to exercise wisdom. Yes, we're to be sensible. But the call of Christ in our lives is so much more than that. Because this is an opportunity, as history has shown, for the light of Christ to shine through the church. This is an opportunity to be people who shine in the darkness in the midst of our families, in the midst of our communities, in the midst of our workplaces, in the midst of our neighborhood, in the midst of this nation. This is an opportunity for the kingdom of God to advance. That's the way God works. And the first place we start is by entering into spiritual warfare in prayer and calling down the kingdom of God's light into the darkness. And to do that as the Lord guides us by His Holy Spirit. 
not to be passive and to shut our eyes and just wait for this thing to be over, but actually to engage and to make a real difference by engaging primarily in prayer and to do it in the strength and the knowledge and the name of Jesus Christ, in the knowledge of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that death has been overcome, Satan has been defeated, and Jesus Christ is all in all. It's about being a people of blessing. It's about functioning as a person of blessing, being joyful, being calm, being considerate, being compassionate, being filled with hope. Because if we do that, we will be lights shining in the darkness. We are to be a people of blessing just by being filled with joy and hope and calmness. And we're also to be people who pray for God's blessing. John Wimber used to say, it's better to plant seeds than to pull up weeds. In other words, it's better to pray God's blessing to come than to spend your time in prayer cursing the darkness. That's not to say we never pray, Lord, bind up Satan. Lord, deliver us from evil. But the majority of our time, the most effective way to use our time is not to curse the darkness. It is to pray in the light of God's presence. And also to be people who speak blessing. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Let's monitor today and the days ahead. How much negativity is there coming across our lips? How much are we pressurized and acquiesced in to speak doom and gloom and darkness? Because if we do, we only add to it. That's not to say we're not real. It's not to say we don't watch the news. It's not to say that we don't take wise measures. Not to say that we don't follow government advice. But there's so much more for us to step into as God's people. And so, in the midst of such things, in the midst of any trial, we ask for wisdom, we ask for discernment, we ask for understanding. What is the darkness trying to do in the midst of this situation? I remember years ago, about 8 or 19 years ago, when our nephew, one of our nephews was born, everything was great for the first number of days. And then all of a sudden, he stopped breathing. We entered into a time of prayer, and people fasted and prayed. And for two weeks, we weren't sure if he would live or die. And then he began breathing for himself. Today, it's wonderful to see he's just started to train as a medical student. The prayer at that time that I was led to pray personally was that he would feel the grass under his feet and he would live to feel the sunshine on his face. It's often not difficult to work out what is darkness trying to do. Nor is it difficult to work out what is God's better purpose in this circumstance. Sometimes we need to pray for spiritual discernment. Sometimes it's not obvious, but so often it is. 
And so we use our God-given, sanctified imaginations to think big and to pray big and imagine big and to say, Lord, what is the really big possibility here? What would it look like if you had your way completely in this situation? Not to dream small or to pray small, but to shoot for the stars and to pray it in, in Jesus' name. And when we do that, we will discover that not only are Satan's plans thwarted, they are also ones that rebound on his own head. God doesn't just fix situations. He uses the darkness to create light. And so we wield the sword of the Spirit. We wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. And we stand our ground together because sometimes in our individualism we miss, when we read Ephesians 6, Roman soldiers were very rarely seen alone. Roman soldiers traveled in battalions and cohorts and regiments, and that's why they were so effective. They had whole systems of interlocking shields that created protection and effectiveness in the mission they were on. And so we stand together as those who stood with St. Patrick many centuries ago, a young man who came in a place of weakness, who came as a teenage slave to these shores. And when he came, he encountered a country filled with superstition and paganism and human sacrifice and cruelty and slavery. And what did he do? He learned how to pray. As a teenager, he prayed hundreds of times every day and even hundreds of times every night. He proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord. He formed Christian communities. He worked hard for 29 years to see God's kingdom come in this land. May we stand together May we follow in the footsteps of Patrick as he followed Jesus Christ. And may this time, may it not be a time of retreat for the kingdom of God. May it be a time of powerful advancement for the kingdom of God. May it be a time of deepening of faith, of deepening courage, of an increased knowledge of the authority that we have, of the power that we wield, clad in the armor of God, standing together and transforming our world. Shall we stand? Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on, strong in the strength which God supplies through His eternal Son, strong in the Lord of hosts and in His mighty power. Whoever in the strength of Jesus trusts is more than a conqueror. Stand then in His great might, with all His strength endued, 
and take to arm you for the fight, the covering of God. To keep your armor bright, attend with constant care, still walking in your captain's sight and watching on to prayer. From strength to strength, go on, wrestle and fight and pray. Tread all the powers of darkness down and win the well-fought day, that having all things done and all your conflicts past, you may overcome through Christ alone and stand complete at last. Heavenly Father, today we claim the victory of Jesus Christ afresh over this land, over this world, over this town, over our families, over our neighborhoods, over our workplaces, over our friendship groups, over this church, over ourselves. May your light of wholeness and health and blessing shine. May we be a blessing in the midst of the darkness. May we stand together confident that you are alive and well, crucified for us, raised for us, among us by your Holy Spirit. In your name, may we proclaim the blessing of your resurrection, of the death of death, of the cure of suffering, of the forgiveness of sin. May we be a blessing to all those around us and among us, and Lord, stir us to action and prayer. Guide us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, to you be the glory in all of this. We pray that during this time, many would come to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray that during this time, those for whom we've been praying for years would come to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray for those that have wandered away from you would come back into the fold of Jesus Christ. We pray that those who are sick would be made well. Those who are bereaved would be comforted. Lord, may we step into a new place of authority and love and blessing and joy, not just in these days and weeks and months, but for the rest of our lives. Lord, we look forward to that day when we too see you face to face. And Lord, whether you come back in the meantime or whether we travel through those dark waters of death, we trust, we declare, we acknowledge that we will live and we will live with you always and we shall see you face to face and we shall know finally, fully, the glory of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we shall know that today, here and now, as we stand together, we are entrusted with the power of heaven and the kingdom of God. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.